Hello and welcome to the Blackadder's Employment Team Podcast, where we are your very own employment lawyers in your pocket. We're aiming to help you navigate the murky and often contentious world of employment law and make sure you keep on the straight and narrow with your staff. So this is season one where we are covering disciplinaries. Our aim in this season is to guide you through conducting your own disciplinary procedures from start to finish and making sure that you keep in tow with the law. So today's episode number seven is what to do if the employee fails to attend a disciplinary hearing. Now this podcast is aimed at managers and business owners who require to conduct disciplinary proceedings. So if you've listened to the first six episodes and stuck with us, well done, um, you should be able to conduct a disciplinary hearing, no bother at all. Today we have a change of personnel in the studio, a wee tactical change. The boss is on a well-earned break, Simon Allison. Uh, so today you have got me, Jack Boyle, I'm going to be hosting this episode. Today's question what should an employer do if the employee fails to attend the disciplinary hearing? Now, to help me answer the question, welcome aboard my colleague, Andrew Wallace. How are you doing, Andy? Good morning, Jack. How are you getting on? Very well, thanks, Andy. Very well. How about you? Yeah, no, not bad. Not bad at all. Um, thanks for having me along today. A bit nervous being unleashed here without the gaffer. He's normally quite good at uh, giving us a few warning glares if we're going a bit off-piste. <laughs> a lot of trust being shown, but it's a good opportunity for us to get some needles in as well, I reckon. Definitely. Don't be nervous, Andy. No need to be nervous at all. I'm sure that the, uh, the boss will enjoy listening to this episode. And um, yeah, let's do him proud. Okay, turning to the question in hand... Um, we're on about people that don't show up for disciplinary hearings. Quite common, isn't it? Employees, they get faced with a hearing. Um, you've had to advise on this a fair bit recently. Would that be right, Andy? Yeah, it's definitely one of the more queries that we get from clients. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people listening will have come across a situation where an employee is due to attend a disciplinary hearing and all of a sudden they've handed in a sick note signing them the employee off for a week or more. I mean, the ACAS guidance is slightly conflicted on this. I mean, firstly, it recommends that proceedings are brought to an end within a reasonable time period. But on the other hand, there may be a genuine reason for non-attendance uh, if the employee is ill. And you don't want, want to rush them back to a disciplinary hearing. That's right. It's all about the, um, the ACAS guidance because that specifies that employers and employees should both make every effort to attend a meeting. But, you know, life is life, isn't it? And sometimes things happen. And there may be circumstances where the employee can't attend the meeting. And in that situation, the first thing that the employer needs to do, rather than jump to any conclusions, they need to find out or identify what's the reason for the non-attendance. Tell me, Andy, you've probably had a few excuses over the years. What's the best ones that you've encountered? I fortunately, I've not had to make many excuses, but there are <laughs> definitely a few belters out there. I mean, um, I've Personal favourites are uh, a cat getting stuck in the toilet as a good excuse for missing a disciplinary <laughs> hearing. Um, I couldn't eat my breakfast because I ran out of milk and I had to go to the shops to get some. I don't know if an employer would find that particularly acceptable, but uh, hey-ho. I, I accidentally put super glue in my eye instead of a contact lens solution, and I'm currently in A&E. I oh, that's a nasty one. <laughs> it's probably more acceptable, <laughs> um, <laughs> but a bit outrageous. And my personal favourite was... Uh, there was a hole in my roof in my bedroom which caused a leak. Uh, the leak leaked onto my alarm clock, which meant that my alarm clock didn't go off. I mean, that's pretty far-fetched, I think you'd, you'd have to say. <laughs> that's pretty special, isn't it? You know, that's quite a coincidence that you got a drip uh, on the alarm clock. And, <laughs> but I do know about uh, cats and dogs. I have seen pets drinking from the toilet. So, I mean, I got a wee bit of sympathy with that one if the, <laughs> if the little moggy got jammed in the... 
in the toilet. <laughs> okay. Well, obviously, none of them are as good as uh, being hungover from the legal awards drink reception last night. <laughs> totally, totally. But you'll note that we are here and present. We're not trying to make any excuses, Andy, are we? Absolutely not. <laughs> now, more often than not, though, you know, whilst there will be sometimes genuine excuses, it's just basically the employee's gone and got their GP to do a line or something, and they don't want to face up to the allegations against them. Um, however, when you do have genuine reasons such as illness or potentially the employee's work colleague or trade union companion not being available for the meeting, and in those types of situations, um, the employee can propose an alternative date for the meeting. You know, if the companion can't attend, the employee's got a lawful right to postpone the meeting and then propose a new date within five days. So these things also need to be taken into account. Um and potentially, if the reason for the non-attendance is not deemed to be satisfactory, then that in itself could potentially be the um, subject of a new disciplinary procedure. Aye, and that, of course, would involve its own separate investigation into a separate disciplinary issue. Uh, so you might want to do a bit of research into whether you believe uh, the employee's reason or not and see if they've been tagged on Facebook in the, the Weatherspoon's toilet the night after stating that they're too ill to attend the hearing. That, that's a good example, Andy, <laughs> but we're going to move swiftly on from that one. Aye, so uh, our general rule in this kind of situation um, is that if there was a genuine reason for the employee's non-attendance, uh, then you should reschedule the meeting at least once. If the employee doesn't attend the rescheduled meeting for the same reason, then you can perhaps take a separate view about whether you want to proceed and make a decision in the employee's absence. I mean, if you are doing this, then the decision maker will still be required to weigh up all the facts in front of them before making their decision. And the employee should be warned uh, beforehand that if they don't attend the rescheduled meeting, that a decision will be made in their absence. It's very important to warn the employee of that fact. Yeah, that's exactly right. I've had a few scenarios where the employer has um, simply ploughed on and made a decision in the employee's absence because of a no-show and then it comes to scrutinising the letters that the employee's received and there's you know, there's no fair process, there's no warning that if you're not here, we may decide this in your absence, which is fundamental to fairness, I think. Um, now, it may even be that uh, sometimes, you know, if the employee doesn't attend the disciplinary hearing and the employer does decide to conduct it in the employee's absence... Don't just do a rubber stamping exercise, you know, the employer should still analyse the case, go through all the pieces of evidence, think about the things that support the employee's position and the things that go against the employee's position. And probably as well, it's a good idea to put these deliberations in writing uh, in any final decision letter. Yeah, absolutely. And another query that we get from uh, clients quite often is uh, what to do if the employee's been signed off for uh, a number of weeks or for a longer period than just the initial uh, one week. Uh, can an employer uh, subject them to disciplinary proceedings for something that they did before the absence began? Uh, well, as quite often happens in the law, it will depend on the circumstances. I mean, uh, the employer should always consider a number of factors, for example, uh, what are the organisation rules, uh, what's the policy in place for dealing with a failure to attend meetings, uh, what's the seriousness of the disciplinary issue that needs needs addressed? I mean, is it just a case that the employee's been late a couple of times or is it a bit more serious that they've been caught Bonnie stealing something from the, <laughs> <laughs> from the cash room or... Uh, something of that ilk. Uh, what's the employee's disciplinary record like? What's their experience, their work record, their position and their length of service? The sort of usual terms that you always uh, have to weigh up when making a disciplinary decision in the end. Yeah, these are all things that employers will be used to taking into account anyway, so it doesn't change the game. 
What about longer-term medical absences? My my advice are quite often, our advice will be, you know, think about getting a medical report from the employee's GP. Just because the employee's not fit to do their normal duties, you know, that doesn't automatically mean that they're not fit to attend a disciplinary meeting. So to do this procedure, what the, the employer has to do is send a mandate to the employee asking for permission to contact the GP provided the employee agrees to this then the employer is then entitled to contact the GP and ask is there anything we can do here to help the employee quite often if the illness is related to work related stress or whatever then the GP will tell you that this illness isn't going to improve until the employee faces the hearing you know having the hearing hanging over them isn't good for their health so really they need to face the music and that can quite often be good for speeding things up a little bit and getting the employee to attend the disciplinary meeting yeah and if if after the report um, the gp doesn't believe that the employee is up to facing a disciplinary hearing uh, this still doesn't rule out the possibility of proceeding in their absence i mean the employer will want to seem as reasonable as possible in these circumstances and they may want to offer up some adjustments uh, it may be <coughs> proceeding in these circumstances would open up a whole chapter of potential disability discrimination claims, uh, but we'll save that for another rainy day because that's a, a minefield in itself. It's too sunny today for that chat, Andy. <laughs> for these purposes, uh, by offering the employee uh, to meet in a neutral venue at a time suitable to them, or for example, allowing the employee to submit their own comments in writing, that would help an employer seem reasonable uh, in the circumstances, and that quite often helps them in any eventual employment tribunal. Totally, totally agree with that. I've seen a few cases where employers have had concerns about employee not attending the disciplinary hearing. So the use of potentially written submissions is one option. I've even heard of a disciplinary being done by Skype recently. Uh, yeah, it was a guy that was worked in uh, Aberdeen and the disciplinary officer was in London, so they did it by Skype. So there are ways and means around it if the employee is not available to attend. Um, right, good stuff Andy, we've covered quite a lot of ground today If I was to force you into a corner and give me three takeaway points from all of the information we've covered What would be the top three pick of the bunch? I think the first one definitely would be uh, If the employee isn't able to attend a disciplinary hearing it would be to identify the reason for non-attendance Obviously it's hard to take a view whether you believe that reason or not If, you, if you've not done any investigations um, yeah. But that's certainly the first step that I would do. Fundamentally, you want to find out if the person's been hit by a bus or if the cat's been jammed in the toilet. Aye, you need absolutely. to be able to decide whether it's genuine or not. Or if they're out in Weatherspoons tonight after being ill uh, Aye, during know. the day. <laughs> you keep going on about that Weatherspoons. I thought we agreed to... But that's time-barred, that chat now, Andy. <laughs> the second point as well is, um, you know, if the individual, if it's their first no-show, then provided they've got an acceptable reason, reschedule the meeting um, and give the employee a second bite at the cherry. But when you do reschedule it, make sure and warn the employee that if they fail to attend the second time, a decision may be taken in their absence. Aye. And it's possible to conduct a hearing. It was the last point, sorry. It's possible to conduct a hearing when an employee's signed off sick. Um, it's important to offer potential adjustments to the employee and to seem reasonable uh, and to also get a medical report to try and assess what the employee is and is not capable of doing. Uh, but all that... Uh, taken into account would certainly help an employer at any eventual employment tribunal. It definitely will. It definitely will. Okay, 
I think we've covered everything that we can say about non-attendance, Andy. Are you happy that we've left no stones unturned? I think that seems about right, yeah. Yeah, well, the proof the proof will be in the pudding, uh, and we'll see what the gaffer's assessment is when he's back. If we have missed anything out, though, then please uh, get in touch with us on Twitter at the, the usual handles, Employer Jack and Employer Andy. Exactly, exactly. So, thanks again for listening, folks. That's the end of the session. Hopefully you found it useful. And as Andy says, we welcome feedback, positive or negative. Um, Feel free to tweet us on these accounts. Cheers and, and cheerio.